Welcome to Pushing Up Lilies. I'm your host, Julie Matson. Pushing Up Lilies is a weekly true crime podcast with spine-tingling, unusual, and terrifyingly true stories from my perspective as a forensic death investigator and a sexual assault nurse examiner. Do I have some stories for you? Are you ready? I know a lot of us were horrified at the Shanann Watts case when her husband Chris murdered her and their two children. This was back in August, actually August 13th of 2018. And this happened back in Colorado. His wife Shanann was only 34 and he strangled her and smothered his two children. Bella was four. And Celeste, or Cece, as she was called, was only three. He had buried Shanann in a shallow grave near an oil storage facility and then actually put the children's bodies in a crude oil tank. Two days later, he confessed. And I don't know if y'all remember when this was on television. I distinctively remember him standing on the porch, pretty much acting like it was any normal day. No emotion at all, saying that he thought that they would come back. I don't know. He just looked evil. Something was wrong with it. For some reason, in the beginning, he wasn't, well, I guess he was always considered a suspect. But a lot of people believed him when he asked that whoever took them come back or asked for them to come back. But he did confess a couple days later. Now. This couple was from North Carolina, and they had met back in 2010. They got married in 2012. They lived in a five-bedroom house in Frederick, Colorado. Shanann had sold for a direct sales company, and she had a pretty good Instagram following. Very upbeat. People loved being around her. And the couple had declared bankruptcy in 2015. So they'd been married about three years and they declared bankruptcy, which a lot of people do. I believe they were having some financial issues. They had a $3,000 house payment and between the two of them brought home about 90000 a year, but were about 70000 in debt, which is honestly probably pretty close to your normal family these days. But on the early morning of August 13th, and this is back in 2018 again, Shanann returned home from a business trip to Arizona. She sold Thrive, and so she was working for that company and owned her own business, had traveled with a friend to Arizona, and then later that day was reported missing. A friend and colleague who had actually been on the Arizona trip with her went to check on her after she didn't show up for an appointment. And then the friend couldn't get her to answer a text or her phone. So she went over to the house and couldn't get her to answer the door. And so the friend called her husband, Chris, who was at work, and then he called the police. So, of course, at the time, Chris was cooperative and let the police search the home and they found her cell phone tucked between couch cushions, almost hidden. And then they also found her purse, her keys, and the kid's medicine in a closet. 
her car was in the garage and her wedding ring was on a bedside table. I believe there was a packed suitcase at the bottom of the stairs also. Of course, Chris made it look like, you know, he didn't know where she was, but that she would be back. Again, emotionless, which how could you know what you've done and then stand in front of video cameras and just pretend that nothing happened? But he reportedly, and this is when he confessed, he said that he strangled Shanann in bed and then wrapped her in a sheet and then put her in the floorboard of the back seat of his truck. So then he put the kids in the back seat. He smothered Cece with her own blanket. And then the really sad thing, Bella, who was four, asked if the same thing was going to happen to her as Cece. And then he smothered her. Now, killing children is unbelievable. I don't know how anybody could kill anybody, but children, innocent, sweet children, I don't understand. I don't get it. So he's in a maximum security prison in Wisconsin, and he's in protective custody. He is considered an outcast, and we have all heard what happens to guys who have hurt kids in prison. No one in prison likes that. What's initially tried to claim that Shanann tried to strangle the kids, and so that's why he strangled her. I mean, what a jerk to make it look like she was trying to hurt them. Now, if someone applies pressure to the neck one time in an intimate relationship, that person or that victim is actually 750% more likely to be killed by them later. And some of the most dangerous domestic violence offenders strangle their victims. It's very up close and personal. And to actually wrap your hands around someone's neck and manually strangle them, you have to really be mad. When strangulation is used to silence a victim, it's actually a felony assault or an attempted homicide. Stranglers often blame someone else for their rage and violence and abuse. And I know when I did sexual assault exams, there were a lot of these sexual assault victims that had been strangled prior to being assaulted. I can remember when I first started doing SANE exams, we really didn't focus a lot on that. And then we realized how very little pressure it took to cut off someone's oxygen supply to the brain by strangling them. It's used a lot in domestic violence situations. It is one of the most lethal forms of domestic violence because you can actually cause someone to go unconscious within seconds and within minutes they can actually die. And the sad thing is a lot of people who have been strangled don't actually report it because they don't think of it as being quite as violent as being struck or being hit by someone. And so they don't think that it's that big of a deal. But I can remember when our sexual assault victims would come in, I mean, they would have fingerprints on their neck and you could actually see how much pressure was put on them by the perpetrator. Roughly about 10% of domestic violence victims are strangled. It just is a really good predictor for future violence. People that are strangled by their partner are at a six to 10 times greater risk of being murdered by them. And I want to talk a little bit about 
the terms strangulation and choking. Choking is actually when a foreign object is blocking your airflow. So, of course, you'll eat food, you choke on it, it blocks your airflow. When someone's being strangled, though, that's when there's an outside force exerting pressure that keeps air from moving. So they can both, of course, lead to death and serious injury, but it's important to know the difference between them. Of course, strangulation is when something actually compresses your neck tightly enough to cut off the airflow. Again, cuts off the oxygen to the brain. It actually compresses the carotid artery and the jugular vein. So it results in cerebral ischemia or cutting off blood flow to the brain. It can also compress your trachea and your larynx, cause your heart rate to go down, and also cause your blood pressure to go down. Of course, manual strangulation is going to be when one person uses their hands or an object to block the airflow. Ligature strangulation is when someone wraps something around their neck, like when they're being choked with a rope or wire or shoelaces or something like that. And then hanging strangulation, of course, is when you wrap something around your neck and then suspend high enough to cause gravity to pull that ligature tightly. But we have a lot of people, too, that we bring in to the medical examiner's office who try to use temporary strangulation, which causes like a brief high. We see that a lot. People do the choking game or autoerotic asphyxiation, which is very dangerous and, of course, can lead to death. Choking during sex play and erotic asphyxiation. So there is a difference between choking and strangulation. So strangulation is when someone actually exerts pressure. But anyway, I just wanted to kind of cover the difference because I think a lot of people are a little confused about choking and strangulation and exactly what the differences are. But back to Shanana Chris, they spent five weeks apart. He told her that the marriage was over. She told him that he would never see the girls again. And, you know, I always like to go back into people's past and see what kind of childhood they had. And there's not a lot of information on Chris Watts's childhood. His dad was supposedly addicted to cocaine. His parents did not attend their wedding because his mother couldn't get along with Shanann and didn't like the way that she treated him. And then going back, uh, looking into the things that were brought out during the trial, and I love how you can go back into people's computers and phones and even when things have been deleted and see searches and text messages and those types of things because Chris would Google romance advice and dating tips. And this is when he was married to Shanann. He Googled when to say I love you for the first time in a new relationship. And he actually searched for secluded vacation spots. And, of course, those are places that he could take his girlfriend at the time. No one would see him, and no one would know that he was married. The girlfriend had actually spent over two hours searching for a wedding dress online just nine days before the murders. And keep in mind, these two had only met like three weeks before Shanann's murder. So that's a little bit quick to be looking for a wedding dress. Now, 
Nicole Kessinger was the girl that Watts was supposedly dating, and he had met her at work. She said she believed she was dating a soon-to-be-divorced man. However, of course, the police are going to pull up her laptop, and she had searches on there for man I'm having an affair with says he will leave his wife. And so, of course, during the investigation, they're going to find these things. Chris also had a secret calculator app on his phone that looked like just a regular app you would pull up to add and subtract. And it was actually a secret app that concealed photos and videos. So he was hiding those from Shanann so that if she just looked at his phone, it wouldn't be in his regular photos. So she wouldn't be able to see it. It would all be hidden in this secret app. And thinking it was a calculator, she would not ever look at it because who would know, right? And this happens a lot too. There are a lot of apps where you can conceal things. And so also it came up that there was a man who reported that he had had a 10 month long relationship with Chris and that man's parents actually came forward and said that Chris had given him money for lip injections. So there is also the possibility that he was seeing more than just Nicole Kessinger while he was married to Shanann. Now, Nicole Kessinger actually volunteered everything she knew to investigators and had a feeling that Chris was lying to her about where his family was. Of course, now lives a quiet life under the radar. I think there's some rumors that she still communicates with Chris. Actually, in November of 2018, he was sentenced to five life sentences. He did plead guilty. He is to serve three consecutively and the other two concurrently. Of course, no possibility of parole. He'll be in prison for the rest of his life. So he's reportedly kept on lockdown for 23 hours a day. He's also turned to religion and actually communicates to his family members and several other people, supposedly sends racy letters to other women, one of which has actually put those together and compiled a book called Letters from Christopher, and that was back in 2019. But he is in the Dodge Correctional Institution in Wisconsin, which is a maximum security location. And again, supposedly he's still in touch with Nicole Kessinger, the woman that he was having an affair with. Why on earth would you stay in touch with someone that dated you while he was married and then murdered his wife and children? I just, I don't understand. And I know there are a lot of women who write letters, and I'm I'm not saying just for purposes of getting information, but who idolize these men who are in prison who've actually murdered people, which I'll never, ever understand. Now, if y'all ever get a chance, I know that one of the most unusual, I guess you could say, museums that I've ever been to is the Museum of Death. It's in New Orleans, Louisiana. I went there for a forensic investigator conference a couple of years ago and really ran across it on accident. I didn't even know it was there. It opened in 95. There is a collection of autopsy videos, body bags, and letters and pictures that are sent to them by serial killers 
that are from women who actually mailed letters to them while they were in prison. And so it's one of the very few museums that I've ever been to where I actually stopped and read everything because it's just really interesting what goes through these women's minds when they're writing these men in prison. And then they talk about how much they love them and idolize them. Just if you ever get a chance, definitely go there. I mean, it is super interesting. One of Dr. Kevorkian's suicide machines is on display. Letters from Jeffrey Dahmer, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, several paintings that were done by John Wayne Gacy, memorabilia, even hair recovered from the crime scene from the O.J. Simpson murders, Manson family photographs. It's just, it's crazy to see all the things that are there. And the Golan Museum is actually to educate people about death. And so maybe try to take away their fear of dying and make them happy to be alive. But it's a pretty cool museum if you like that kind of thing. And of course, if you're listening to my podcast, you most likely do. It's open seven days a week from 10 to 7. I think they charge like $15 to get in. Of course, they don't allow photographs. But super interesting and You know, again, I had thought several times about sending letters to people for interviews. And of course, that's way different than the intention of most of these women who are writing letters to these people. These women who sometimes even marrying these men who have been imprisoned just write letters. And of course, a lot of them are racy. And again, there are stories that Chris Watts is writing racy letters to several women and then still communicating with Nicole Kessinger. It blows my mind. You know, we know that a lot of serial killers have ended up married after they are sentenced and are in prison and they'll never get out. But why would you want to be married to somebody that's locked up for the rest of their lives? I don't get it. But anyway, I feel like these particular murders just kind of stun the nation. And, you know, we all suspect there's an affair going on if a man kills his wife. But to kill your children also, it's just why. And a lot of people, maybe they want to start over and start a new life with this new person and no restrictions, no obligations. But it's really sad. And then, you know, they have to somewhat lose their mind at some point to think that they're not going to be suspected and that they're actually going to get away with it. But I think we're all happy knowing that he's in prison for the rest of his life. We've all seen pictures of him. He just looks evil. And I like to go back and look at people's mug shots because a lot of people who've committed these crimes, they just look evil and completely unemotional in their mug shot. And I don't understand. But again, if you get a chance, visit the Museum of Death in New Orleans, Louisiana. I don't think any of... Chris Watts' letters are there yet, but I feel like maybe at some point they will be. Thank goodness we don't have to worry about him anymore. I kind of feel like the fact that he's on lockdown 23 hours a day is an injustice. I feel like he should be put out with everybody else and just let them take out our trash, if you know what I mean. But again, that's how I feel. Many of you may feel the same. Some of you may feel sorry for him in some way. Not me. (laughs) But Anyway, we are going to, again, continue to have contests and giveaways, exciting new things coming up for the month of February. So be sure, again, like us on Facebook, Instagram. We're also going to soon be on TikTok. 
join our VIP group on Facebook where we'll start leaving reels and special updates that only you can see as a VIP member. I hope everyone has a great rest of their week. Thank you so much for joining me today on Pushing Up Lilies. If you like this podcast and would like to share with others, please do me a quick favor and leave a review on Apple Podcast. This helps to make the podcast more visible to the public. Thanks again for spending your time with me and be sure to visit me at pushinguplilies.com for merchandise and past episodes.